You're listening to Brown Sugar Diaries with Erica Michelle, a podcast about life, love, and laughter from a plus-size brown girl's perspective. Make sure you're following me on Instagram at Brown Sugar Diaries, on Twitter at BRWN Sugar Diaries, on Facebook, Brown Sugar Diaries Podcast, and on YouTube, Brown Sugar Diaries Podcast. And you can also send me an email, Brown Sugar Diaries Podcast at gmail.com. Welcome back to part two of Young and Churchy, talking about how millennials are navigating faith and religion. I have my good homegirl Ty on the line, and she's going to jump in on this conversation and help unpack this too, because y'all, we be out here struggling sometimes. So Ty, you there? I'm here. All right. So go ahead and tell the people a little bit about yourself, what you do, where you're from, all that jazz. I am, my name is Taisha, full name Taisha, I go by Ty most of the time. Um, I am a social worker, for the most part, I'm not going into detail what I do, because I don't need no, nobody reaching out to me about their situations, so, uh, uh, yeah, but I'm a social worker by day, um, I have a few trades in between, I play a little bit with photography, um, I have an organization in Gainesville, Georgia, my hometown where I'm from, um, for adult women, um, and that's pretty much it. Uh, I, I'm, I am a worker of the church. I do a lot with my church in Elberton, Georgia. Um, so, yeah, that's my life pretty much. So, basically, y'all, what she's saying is she just busy as me. <laughs> yeah. Doing too much. <laughs> and <laughs> as as a social worker, I'm sure your faith is tested a lot, huh? Mm-hmm. Every day. <laughs> yes. Every day. So one of the, the the first things that I talked about with Derek in the previous segment was um just, you know, a little bit of your church background. You did say that you were involved in your church. So did that start from your youth and like carry over into adulthood or is it something that you just started? As an adult, um, so I was raised in the church, mm-hmm. uh, specifically my grandmother made sure I was at church. I was raised religion, religion-wise Methodist. Mm-hmm. Um, coming up, and I was much. She made sure we were active as kids. We were singing in the church choir. I don't know if anybody's familiar, but Methodist uh, churches have acolytes. I was an acolyte. Um, we were always in Sunday school. Like the people in the church knew us. They still know us. They still consider me and my siblings like one of theirs as the church like to, you know, have ownership of the kids that they basically help nurture growing mm-hmm. up. So, um, I started as a Methodist. When my grandmother got sick, she stopped going to that church. So that's when I stopped going to the Methodist church. Mm-hmm. But I ended up at a Baptist church because my best friend, her father was a Baptist preacher. So he had his own church, and that's how I ended up in the Baptist church. He baptized me, and I ended up a member of his church in Elberton, Georgia, and that's how I ended up being the Baptist from about, I want to say, probably like 12 until Mm -hmm. now. It could have been a little bit later than that, but yeah, roughly. Mm -hmm. So are there any major differences between the Methodist and Baptist churches? This is a practice thing. I think the um, it's, it's really just it boils down to practice. Mm-hmm. 
um, Methodist churches. I know I remember one acolytes, and I think that's similar to. I, I'm not 100 percent sure, so don't murder me. But I think it's similar to um, Catholic churches, mm. um, where they they carry the light in and out of the church. Mm. Um, we do communion, but at but at communion, we all will go to the altar. We actually used to break loaves of bread. Mm. Um, I noticed in um, and and then have like small cups of grape juice. I noticed in the Baptist church they pass out the like the, the ones that are like bought, I guess, or ordered, and they're like the, the little fake chips. Mm-hmm. And you chew them. <laughs> so, but I grew up pulling off like uh, it was either crackers, like those little itty bitty square crackers, mm-hmm. or we were pulling off loaves of bread. I guess that was like if they were able to afford it or something. I don't know. Mm. Um, I did not get dunked in about in the in the Methodist church. They do christenings. Mm-hmm. I got christened. Um, I don't. Yeah, I've never seen anyone get dunked. In. And then when they do a baptism, it's also a sprinkle of water. You're not if you're not submerged at a Methodist church. Um, I also noticed that in my Methodist church, I don't know if this is the same with other ones, but they actually had this, and I didn't. I haven't seen this in a Baptist church ever. But they have these, like, transitional classes for, I guess, teens that are going into adulthood. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like a, I guess, a way to learn the Bible or something. I forgot what it was called. Mm-hmm. But that was, like, a class that you were supposed to go to. And then after you finished the class, you were given the Bible and all that good stuff. Um, but that's, I think, distinctly what I remember. We had a whole bunch of, like, opening songs for uh, before preaching and things like that like it was like the same song mm-hmm. i know at baptist churches you have open a song but it's like a hymn yeah, yeah. um and the Methodist church is like a uh i don't want to say chant because it ain't necessarily chant but it's like a designated song like a or, devotion like a what like a devotion yeah yeah yes that's yeah. the word so it's kind of like that for uh offering and um before he preached and things like that mm-hmm. and the and the baptist church you know, the choir sing, sings the song, whatever song that the Lord laid on their heart or that they practice that choir practice, mm-hmm. what they sing it for, you know, before he preaches and mm-hmm. for offering. Okay. Um, yeah, I think that's a little of the biggest differences that I've noticed. I will, yeah. Like, it's interesting though, because I was raised Baptist. I mean, born and reared Baptist my whole life. So, I was submerged in water. I think I was like anywhere between seven and nine when I was baptized. Um, We've always had like the little square communion crackers, wafers, or whatever you want to call them. And then the little cup of juice. And I wasn't, um, I wasn't exposed to like breaking off pieces of bread until, uh, I started going to church with my older brother. Like my brother um, is a musician, so he is gonna monetize his singing, and so he always tended to go to like white churches. And so, being in the white church, in a lot of the white churches, it was kind of he would always end up in a Presbyterian church, which I always find was really interesting. But you know, whatever. But that was when I was really exposed to, like, breaking off the pieces of bread. And then it it was uncomfortable. Uh, it was an adjustment. And I was like, mm, 
everybody use hand sanitizer. Like, I'm with it. And as a child, for us, we were, we were always trying to pull off the largest pieces because it was always <laughs> the Hawaiian roll So to me, going to the Baptist church and having the little uh, the little store bought ones where you peel off the, the clear ones for yeah. the, the piece of the body, it was like a downgrade because I was used to, um, you know, trying to try to pull off a chunk because it was good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh God, that just made me. Oh, okay. I just had an epiphany. But yes, um, it was. I loved it. I didn't think about that. Now I probably would be like, so many people are touching it. But as a child, that was not a thought. Yeah, but it that was that was as you know, like uh, I think I was like freshman or so. And what I would meet, because I was in college in New Orleans, and so he was living in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, which is like an hour and a half from New Orleans. So I would go to church with him, and I'm like, no, uh-uh, I see these people hands. Did they, everybody use hands sometimes? So it was an adjustment for me. But let's get, you know, into um, what we're really here for. So one of the things that I was telling you before we started recording was that um, I've been reading, you know, journals and looking at different statistics that say that millennials are moving away from the church. And the reason being because they feel like, you know, church is a scam and then everybody's, you know, woke now. And so they're moving away from Christianity because it's the white man's religion. And it kind of seems like, people are just out here free falling you know figuring out what it is they believe in or don't believe in and just navigating the world with seemingly I I guess to to people who grew up in the church or were raised in the church without guidance so Uh what is like what are your thoughts about that like do you feel do you have you noticed that more millennials are moving away from church or do you think it's just people in general are moving away from the church I would think I would probably say millennials. Yeah, I would probably agree that millennials are, mm-hmm. and I I think that you know statistics don't lie. Yeah, I feel like I I can definitely see it. I know me personally. I grew up in the church. I um, would normally go to church, and there was a time where I missed being in the church. Mm-hmm. Um, and the last few months, I have not been to a church. Since maybe New Year's this year, because mm-hmm. the last time I went was to bring in the New Year's. Um, so, um, yeah, I see it a lot, and, I, and but it's—I don't want to say it's concerning, but it is because I know that being in the Baptist church that I'm in, and even the Methodist church that I went to, a lot of the reasons why I didn't want to go back was because all the people that I grew up with was not there. It was like a church full of old people. Yeah, I was just thinking that, like, because the church that I grew up in, I can't really say that when I was growing up, there were a whole bunch of kids, but, like, it it was truly one of those things where it's, I grew up bougie Baptist, right? So, and when I say bougie Baptist, I mean missionary Baptist, of course, but bougie Baptist because, you know, everybody is... You know, they they got these high paying jobs. Everybody's driving a Mercedes, and you know everybody's bougie, and everything has to be decent and in order. And we don't do we don't allow for the spirit to move in my home church. We tell them to come back tomorrow because we don't have time for that today. We kind of get in and get out. And 
our our pastor was, you know, very he's um very uh hermeneutical. And by that meaning he just everything is a big word. I shouldn't need a thesaurus to 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 understand your sermon. And so what I, the trend that I noticed growing up and I, it, thinking about this, as I'm about to say, it makes me realize just how observant I was as a kid. The trend was people stayed in the church long enough to, you know, go off to college. And then they only came, you know, when they were coming home for breaks. And then once they graduated from college, they never came back. And they only came back unless, you know, grandma or mom and dad or whomever was sick and dying. And, you know, that it was like that wave of just the youth that just kind of left. And so I'm thinking about this now, just kind of like, was that the start of people moving away from the church? Or was that just the start of people moving away from churches that they weren't being spiritually fed in? And I've found since I've left my home church, I go home a lot and well, not a lot, but when I go home, um, it's like I can go to any church, but my home church, because I, I'm not fed there. I don't get what I need there. And I was raised in a household where, you know, we were taught when you leave home, you find a church. And even going away for college, that's what I did. So I was there wasn't a time where I was never not in church, but I never went to a church that was like my home church. Like I said, born and raised Baptist, but I never made my way to a Baptist church. I was I have always ended up in a non denominational church. Always. And that's so freaking weird to me and I always find it funny because I'm in I'm in a non-denominational church but the pastors were always raised Baptist mm-hmm. and I'm like what is it about the Baptist church <laughs> we can't stick with our stuff <laughs> like that's just, it's, it's so interesting to me but I, I'm just thinking about that now it's like is it that's what made me question, like, is it just millennials or is it just people in general? Because, you know, they're leaving because they're not being spiritually fed. And, like, have you had that struggle, you know, as a millennial uh-huh. or or before where you have to kind of church hop? I have. But I think that, so you mentioned going off to college. You mm-hmm. mentioned not being spiritually fed. Um, I think you mentioned one more other thing I didn't write it down I thought for that but I think I don't know if those things are 100% like a millennial thing or is it well I guess it could follow all of that because older people aren't going to schools right but I guess but um, like, for me those are like all separate situations mm-hmm. but I I went off to school which is why I love the church but mm-hmm. every time I came back home I came home to church mm-hmm. to that um, to my Baptist church when I left that, for me, I didn't go back to my home, home church. Because I still call it, I still call the Methodist church I grew up in my home church because that's what I was raised in as my grandmother's church. Mm-hmm. But I didn't go back because um, it was just like a personal thing. Um, it was it's a bit of a trigger for me because that was a pastime for me and my grandma. Mm-hmm. And when she got sick, I didn't have that. And then when she passed, it was even worse. Mm-hmm. So, like, I remember going back to that church for, like, a... a 
an event or something, and I could not sit in the sanctuary because the last time I had been in that sanctuary, her body was at the front of it. Yeah, yeah. So I... I just don't like going back there. It's weird for me. It is uncomfortable for me. Mm-hmm. Like, everybody knows me. They see me, they know me. How you doing? Where you been? Whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. But it's just not the same. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, I don't go back. And if I do, I'll drag my sisters and my cousin with me because I grew up in that church with them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't have any connection with those people anymore in that church is what it feels like and which which is why I feel like it makes it that much more awkward. Now when I came back from college or when I would visit home, um, I would go to the Baptist Church in Elberton. And that church did a lot for me because I was at that church from about the age of eight and I ended up getting baptized there, becoming a member. Um and the and I think for me, I think it just depends on where you end up, but I really appreciate that church because it's the love that they showed me, mm-hmm. but you don't really get that much in a lot of churches anymore. Like sometimes, I know a lot of people say, you know, their people are judgmental, mm-hmm. um, and, I, and I can see that because there were people in that church that were from that city, and um, there are deaconesses and de- and deacons and people talk. You know, yeah. they, there's that people talk, and I think that's just a, a natural thing because ain't none of us perfect. Just because the church don't mean it can't be worldly in my head, Ooh, but whatever. Said this. Um, so um, there were people in that. There were people from the city that went to that church too, but I wasn't from Elberton, so they didn't know me. Mm-hmm. You know, they didn't know me. They didn't know my people unless I brought somebody with me. They didn't know my ins and outs. They didn't know my history, so they couldn't say much about how I was living mm-hmm. because they didn't know. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. So um, I think. In, in, me, in, in me saying that, I guess that speaks to why people choose to go to different churches, too, because you go somewhere and they don't know every little thing about you. They can't say too much about you mm-hmm. and what you, how you present yourself. Right. Um, and so when I went to that church, all, all they did was love on me. They, there was no, they were asking how I was going, how school was going, because that's all they knew, that I went to school and I came back when I was done. I went back to school and I finished or whatever. Um, that was it. Like they, that, there was nothing else they could say. And then I started doing work in the church. So like my pastor asked me if I would, um, you know, assist him with a, a project. And I've been doing that with him since. So now I'm kind of like a, uh, an important piece mm-hmm. to the growth of the church. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not there physically, but what I'm doing, I don't have to be there physically. But mm-hmm. I'm still helping the church, and I still pay my tithe to that church. I mm-hmm. still pay my tithe. Because I've been extremely blessed, and I just don't feel right not paying them. And I just, that, that's based off the scripture I read. But, Ooh, put a pin um, in that. Ooh, put a pin in that. We're going to have to come back to that. Uh, so, <laughs> the, yeah. so one of the things that you mentioned was going back to you saying your, your grandmother's church, that it's hard for you to be there because of, because the last time that you were there, her body was at the front of it. And then mm-hmm. that made me instantly think of, um, church trauma or as as what people are calling now church hurt everybody mm-hmm. doesn't hasn't experienced that where they can't go back to a church because of someone that they love you know the last memory that they have is that person being in a casket at the front of that church mm-hmm. nowadays people are saying that you know 
they don't go to church because when they grew up, there's this and this and that happened. Some traumatic experience happened that's pulled them away from the church. And even now, given the, the present times, the present situation of a global pandemic and what's going on now, everybody's comparing the present situation to the happenings of the Bible. Do you think that perhaps there's some happening in their lives, in someone's life. Have you experienced that? Have you seen someone experience that rather where there's been something, some tragedy, some situation that has brought them back to the church? Or do you find that they've just like stood firm in that and been like, nah, this church hurt is real and I'm going to be hurt. I'm going to go anywhere to heal but the church. (laughs) I think that depends on the person. You know, um, I can say that I often am in and out, and I guess, you know, based on the Bible, I would probably be considered lukewarm, um, but um, I I think that depends on the person, because mm-hmm. for some people, it depends on the hurt. Yeah. So... Like, for some people, somebody that gossips and then, because now I just see some church people that insert themselves and say some afterway stuff to folks. Mm-hmm. And in your mind, you're thinking, okay, you had a point, but you didn't have to say it like that. And this wasn't the time or the place kind of thing. Right. Like, um, so I feel like in some instances, if you, if you go somewhere, your church hurt is because everybody is talking about you because you just ain't no saint like them, mm-hmm. like quote unquote them. And, um, or whatever have you, then I think that's different because it's like all these church people hurt me. Mm -hmm. Um, for me, I didn't go back because it was just traumatic, but that didn't keep me from church. Mm -hmm. I just had to go to another one. It didn't keep me from God. I just had to go, you know, get him somewhere else, basically. Um, so I, I really think that depends. On the person and how they handle things because I'm also strayed and there were personal things that have happened in my life that didn't necessarily make me run to the church mm-hmm. like I think I've been to the altar what maybe on a maybe maybe less than five times in that church where I asked to be you know covered and I and that was probably because I was just feeling really really heavy mm-hmm. um but outside of that I can I have learned how to get close to God in my own, on my own, by getting in the Word on my own and reading, you know, application Bibles and understanding and having it resonate within me mm-hmm. by myself, without a pastor, without church people around me. Yeah. Like, um, people put a lot of, um, I guess, uh, faith in the church and not faith in God. And um, it took me being away at school to find that for myself. So, I mean, that's why I say it depends, because, you know, people can be hurt, and you can get God somewhere else, so you can just try to, or just mm-hmm. be like, okay, I'm done with God, because they associated God with church people. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I think that just, I think that can vary. I think, I honestly think, like you said, it does depend on the person, but I also think that in in tandem with that, it means that you have to be able to separate or not even separate. You have to be able to take people off a pedestal Mm -hmm. because somehow like 
I don't think nobody from my my home church really listen to, listen to the podcast, but if they do, it don't matter because it's the truth. But my <laughs> the pastor of my home church um is not uh, he has not you know lived like a holy and acceptable life, I guess, but nobody has. And, you know, people were leaving the church because of things that he had done that may have been, you know, wayward or whatever. And one thing my my mom, my dad always instilled in me was that, you know, he was a man before he was a man of the cloth. And I think a lot of that church hurt comes from, yes, somebody said or did something to you that was wrong and was traumatic. But I think a lot of people put too much stock and put put people, church people up on such a high pedestal that when they fall, it's like you can't understand that none of us are perfect. None of us mm-hmm. get it right all the time. That none of us, you know, do everything correctly and by the book. So I think, yeah, it depends on the person, but you have to take people off this pedestal and take the expectation off. Take the expectation of perfection off because that's truly how people fall. That's truly how people, you know, get into this space where they just, they can't get right. <laughs> I completely agree. And, 100%. Yeah. That reminds me of, uh, what's his face? Uh, John Gray. Yeah, yeah. What happened with him and his wife? And everybody was like, he's a cheater. And I'm thinking to myself, uh, he's married just like the rest of y'all. Right. How many of y'all done has a healthy man cheated? And all the time the only difference is he's on a large platform. Yeah. If he was not on this platform as a pastor, y'all would have had no clue. Not a single clue. This man cheated. But that, but that also just goes to, you know, like I said, I've heard people say that they can't go to church because how you a pastor and you cheating on your wife, just like your daddy was cheating on your mama. Like, I mean, I think, and that's just, it's just, yeah, very judgmental. It's like people, people in the church are judgmental, but you judging the people, you judging the church people. Now, <laughs> the, the, don't get me wrong. I do not like those churches where you have to, like uh, Pastor Mike Todd says this all the time, and I never, I hear it, I heard it all the time, but it didn't really sink in until I was really kind of exploring this in my head. Like, you don't have to, to clean up before you can belong in the church. And I think that's just a misconception that people have, is that you have to come to church correctly and yes. and put together. And, you know, you have to come with a certain posture. Like, nah, you're supposed to come bent over. You're supposed yes. to come, you know, not okay and unchurched so you can get church. And I think, like, even right now with the state of, you know, the world, people are saying like, um, just, I'm, I'm mad. I can't go to church. And I'm like, that's just a building. That's just a structure. The structure can't right. save you at this point. If you don't have a relationship, then if you depend on the church, baby, I, I don't know what to tell you. But exactly I, th- I think now what I've seen, cause, and this is me, you know, reading journals and things and going off of what I've seen on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram, that a lot of millennials um, are 
are (laughs) hiding themselves in the word, (laughs) as the old church adage goes. And um, there are a lot of them that's just like, I don't believe in God. And, you know, I can't believe in something or someone that I can't see in. And y'all paying y'all money to to scammers and y'all y'all putting y'all money in the church and the pastors are driving better cars than you and I can give this money to a homeless person and I can do that. I'm like, sure you can, but at what point do you separate, you know, what you believe is going on in the church and lean solely on what's said what's written in the Bible? So with that, like how do you how do you feel about, you know, tithing and offering and all of this stuff? I think we've had this conversation before, but we never recorded it. I want to back up because you mentioned relationship versus uh, mm-hmm. you mentioned having a relationship in, mm-hmm. the, in the church house. Yeah. And one of the things that I've learned on my own is that it's all, it should always be relationship over religion. Mm. Your church is your practice. Mm-hmm. That's what you do solely for fellowshipping and like serving. Mm-hmm. And technically, you can serve outside the church. Yes. Um, it's just, it's really a starting point in my mind. I think that the church is a foundation to teach you how to serve, how to be a servant mm-hmm. appropriately. That's yeah. one thing. The other thing is, that I've uh, and that I realized a long time ago when I was when I was learning how to uh, how to build a relationship with God is growing up I never ever saw my aunt my grandma my mom reading the word mm-hmm. praying on their knees um, studying you never see that which are things that are basically required to build a relationship right mm-hmm. with God. But you don't see that growing up. All you see is going to church. All you know is Sunday morning we're going to church. Mm-hmm. So you're a lot of people are not taught in the home how to build a relationship with God mm-hmm. at home. Because either you don't see it or the people that you or you know, those adults in your life never did that. It was never taught. Yeah. So people get become adults and they rely solely on the church because that's all they know. Yeah. They don't know nothing else. That's true. That's so we'll say that. That's true. <laughs> That's what is tithing thing, though. So, I don't think people understand that even though church is a God thing, it is also a business. Yeah, yeah. And just like a business has to maintain their structure, their bills, all that other stuff, employees, i.e. the pastor, they have to maintain that, right? Mm-hmm. Now, they will people will tell you or tell you to tithe your 10% to maintain God's house because literally that's what you're doing. Yeah. Um, like, and then I don't think people understand that pastors have jobs outside of being pastors. Right. Um, these mega, these people, these churches, these preachers or pastors in the large mega churches are, they probably get, they probably get a pretty decent paycheck Mm -hmm. because, Either they're on a larger platform, so they can do stuff like speaking and stuff outside the church and get paid for it. Mm-hmm. That's number one. Church probably sometimes church may not even pay them, but I'm pretty sure they do get something. But they can probably make a pretty a living off the fact that they're on a large platform and they're speakers mm-hmm. or whatever else they do on the side. They can get a check outside of the church at this point because they have such a large following. That's 
why I feel like, you know, they have those, you know, they're able to do that because they can make, they can, they can make some money now because mm-hmm. everybody listening to them. Um, but like people are in, in smaller churches and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, those, I mean, my pastor has a job. He works a nine to five Monday through Friday. And he does church work and all the above. Really, whenever he's available. That's still, it's kind of like, I feel like you can kind of equate that to being a doula. So, like, if somebody calls him from the church, not the same, but, you know, being yeah. on call yeah. is what yeah, I'm trying yeah. to say. Um, practice are on call. I don't, I mean, I just don't feel like you should have an expectation that they should do that voluntarily. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, you know, but I think that's just the misconception of what people think church is. Yes. Because it's a business. These people working. They're right. working. Yeah. They don't just sit on their fingers and show up to church on Sunday morning to preach. Right. And marry, lots, and lots. marry people every now and then and do a few right. eulogies and stuff. So, right. Yeah, I think that's that's the misconception of what people think church is. Now, I think that the, the issue with tithing is that I, I, I mm, how do I say this? Everybody, a lot of people that I've seen have said, I'm not, I'm not giving my money to no scammers. The church is a scam. All they do is take your money and the pastor's driving a better car than you. And I'm like, okay, that does happen in some churches. That does happen that there is a misappropriation of funds in, in a lot of churches across America. But it's just kind of like, it's and not even to condemn people, but it's like, have you read the Bible at all? That too. There's scripture on there's scripture on ties and offering that breaks it down. I admit, me and my best friend because she uh, when I was when I as I built as I was building my relationship with God, that was one of those questions like like I don't understand tithing like what's the details of it like mm-hmm. what's the basis of it, and so uh, she was kind of like my godly counsel at the time. So every time I was reading something, I didn't have nobody else to like consult with. Mm-hmm. So she was also in the word, and of course she's a pastor's daughter. So she knew a little bit more, had a little bit more understanding than I did. Mm-hmm. And so um, we, I, she, I think she, either she gave me the scripture or I Googled it. And I went to the scripture and read it. And I'm I'm pretty sure it's probably along the lines of uh, if you don't tithe or whatever, there's something like turmoil or something. Mm-hmm. Not saying that you're like cursed, but um, it's, it, you just ain't doing it right. And so, like, when you're doing right, it's going to catch up with you. It's the thought process yeah. I have. Well, and so, um, okay. go ahead, go ahead. So, um, I have been tithing ever since. Mm-hmm. Um, because the word says, you know, you give God his 10%, because he, and that's why I said earlier, you know, I've just been extremely blessed. Because mm-hmm. I'm a social worker, but I also have a second job. And um, I feel like the church has also blessed me. Like, when I was in school, they, you know, raised money for me and have handed me and have been supportive so I wouldn't feel right not helping maintain that mm-hmm. because it's not it's not like they're doing they haven't done anything wrong to me for me to feel like they're scamming me yeah. if anything I, they've given me way too much yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. that's why I'm compelled to do so and not even them but God in and of itself like I am not worthy mm-hmm. and I have to and I say that every day the stuff that I have 
the things that he's allowed me to do, the breath, the air that I breathe out here, I am nowhere near worthy. Mm-hmm. The least I can do is follow what his word says mm-hmm. and give him 10%. 10%. Mm-hmm. 10%. That's it. He's asking for 10%. <laughs> it's just I, it's like 10% should be nothing. I grew up in a house where tithing was like breathing. So that that wasn't abnormal for me. I was taught early, like if you, you know, if you got a dollar, you give God a dime. <laughs> that was yeah. that was you know how I was raised, you know, and so it's just stuck with me. So tithing has not been my issue. Um, now I understand why people think that you know church is the whole money game. It's every. Because it gets annoying when you go to church and all you hear is sow a seed, sow a seed, sow a seed, mm-hmm. sow a seed. And before before I had seen, you know, other churches um, giving back, I, I can't say that I ever felt like, you know, like I'm being scammed because I was also raised in a household where... It's in the Bible that you give your 10%. You give your 10% because that's what's in the Bible. What's done with it after you give it, that's between that person and God. Exactly. You let God handle them. You don't worry about what where your money is going. If they saying it's going to the building fund and then ain't the building ain't been built yet, no shade to my home church, but you know, I'm just saying. Um <laughs> it's just, you know, I I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. And I can't say that I did not see, you know, the fruits or or the fruits of, of the the giving um in our household. I can't I can never tell anybody that I didn't see faith, that I didn't see giving and tithing and offering even when it even when it hurts. I can't say that I uh-huh. never saw that because that's when I that I didn't realize it then, but I understand now that what I was watching, what I was witnessing was faith. And I, now I I see why I see the logic. I see the rationale when people say I have a hard time giving my money when, you know, my life to do, (laughs) I get that. I understand that. I can't say I've ever, felt that way because it just I I didn't feel right if I didn't tithe you know but I don't know I I don't know I guess it just kind of depends on the household you were raised in um, yeah that too because I've never seen it I've never witnessed it I learned that growing I learned that being in a Baptist church and Basically, being best friends with the pastor's daughter and watching it, and then getting, and then becoming, I was, I became curious mm-hmm. after like listening to some sermons and mm-hmm. a conversation about tithing and everything when I was younger, and or like when I guess I started making money, and I think um, I was also I was probably reckless with my spending anyway. That's another, that's another time I got really. Um, I buckled down because I started learning about stewardship when I started to run out of money. Mm-hmm. And um, <laughs> I hit rock bottom financially. I had to I quit my job, lost my job. Um, bills started backing up. There was a time where I thought my car was going to get repo. There was a time where uh, insurance stopped because I just didn't have any money. Mm-hmm. And I was working when I was getting paid. 
I wasn't driving either. And so, um, but during that time, I, I wasn't working and I really just, uh, it, it, I, I used to have this epiphany where I was like, he removed everything from me because I was distracted. Mm. And um, I literally would wake up every morning, meditate and read the word, uh, read a chapter, go through it with the application Bible. And um, I would describe it as him popping me on my hand. Mm. I ain't never been read before. Like, if you never been read from reading the, if you ain't never been read by God from reading the Bible, then you ain't doing something you right. Doing like, something right. Because, um, man, he, it was like, it was like, you know, like when your mama say, when your mama cuss you off when I do something you know you're supposed to have been doing, yeah. that's what he was, that's exactly what it was, mm-hmm. reading the Bible. And so after that financial spurt, like that, that, that just rock bottom, like, he was like, I, I, I had had so much money, <laughs> mm-hmm. and it was gone. Yeah. And it was like, I, I, I gave you this, and you blew it. And so that's what I'm like about stewardship. And stewardship, of course, ties in with tithing. Mm-hmm. Are you being a good steward of your money? Are you blowing it and, 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 and not giving back, you know, to me, the person that blessed you with it in the first place kind of thing? Mm-hmm. It just, it, it, it was just a, the whole situation convicted me in such a way where I was like, there's no way... I'm going to have a job and not give him his 10%. And yeah. there's no way I'm about to be out here continuing to be reckless like this with mm-hmm. what he's blessed me with. There's yeah. no way I can't keep living like that because clearly I'm going to end up back in this situation again. And ever since then, I've been straight. Yeah. And one, one thing <laughs> I I can say, like, as far as tithing, is that Mike Todd broke down in one of his recent sermons, actually, was that, you know, tithing people, people misuse um i think it's malachi three and six or six and three i want to say um basically the scripture where it's like will a man rob god and bring the a tenth of your earnest to the storehouse and all this kind of stuff and he was like it nowhere in that scripture does it say money you are to give your 10 percent a tenth of your earnings you know to the church but it doesn't just say only money I should say it, yeah. does, it doesn't only say money. It means time. And he, the, mm-hmm. he made it really practical. He made it really plain. And he was like, you got 24 hours in a day. So two hours and 40 minutes of that ain't even yours. You're supposed to give that to God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It doesn't, it doesn't mean all at one time, but two hours and 40 minutes of the day that belongs to God. So I, I think if people were to hear that and get a more practical understanding of it, that everything, all of it, is is his, and all he's asking for is ten percent of it back. I mean, like that's it's the least you could do. But I think people, I, somehow over time, there just became a disconnect. Of something got lost in translation, where church equals money, mm-hmm. and it I I don't know how to. I, I think sometimes, like, what if somebody walks up to me and, and tells me, you know, or, or, or asks me or questions me about my, my belief and my faith, and it's like, how can I, it's not a matter of convincing them that, you know, God is good. Like, the only thing I can do is show you. That, well, let you know what he's done for me. Yeah, and and that I mean, that, that comes with showing you, you know, like, I'll, that's all I can do is show you. 
is that he is good. He has been good. And if you allow him to be good, he can be good to you. <laughs> but I think the the thing with going back to the whole, the, the general topic is like millennials struggle with, you know, we, we're a results driven society. Um, we're a results driven generation. And like uh, last guest, Derek was mentioning that we want everything in our timing. And I think a lot of yeah, we so impatient. We want every we're contemporary. My daddy used to say we can this contemporary microwave society. Y'all, y'all want everything fast. And I think that's a, a, I think that's a challenge for us as millennials navigating through life and society, especially with temptation and you know, where we're getting these degrees and we're working these jobs and we're trying to pay these bills and we're still trying to figure out how our parents pay these bills because this ain't the same economy that they was paying bills in. But it ain't like, the same economy. Right. It ain't, it's, 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 it ain't the same. <laughs> this ain't the same economy, but, you know, we're trying to navigate this and a lot of us are, you know, trying to figure out how to um, monetize the gifts and the skills that we have. And it is so interesting to me how a lot of millennials are moving away from the church, but I'm like, you built a business. You're an entrepreneur with the gift that God gave you. Like, that how, God, oh, Todd, Todd, uh, uh, God, what is, what is Michael Todd did a sermon about that a couple of weeks ago I listened to, and I was like, oh, my God, it's <laughs> like everybody in the whole freaking world yeah. that, like, like it's, oh, my goodness. Like, <laughs> I think about photographers and, um, yeah people who have, like, marketing skills and stuff like that, mm-hmm. if you are not in the church, that should be, that should be where you, you, even if you're learning, that should be where you sharpen your gifts. Yeah. If, yeah. if you're starting out, you, like, you don't have to, try, like, what's, you said something about monetizing or talent or something. Mm-hmm. First of all, you don't have to monetize everything. Yeah. That's true, too. Because, that is true, too. Like, what? What's the what's the what's the uh, scripture like? Your 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 gift will make room for you. Mm-hmm. You don't have to monetize everything off that. Yeah. Okay. That ain't necessary. Yeah. And people, we got a church and they want to. They don't want to do nothing in the church. This and the third. Uh uh-uh, uh. I'm not. I I just I just ain't able to do that. <laughs> <laughs> Some people, I just feel like y'all. It ain't that serious. You don't have to put a dollar a dollar sign on everything. Right. Because they wouldn't do that to you. That's true. That's true. We want to get paid for everything, but we don't want to pay for nothing. And it's like, and I think how that ties into the church and like with belief is just, ooh, that's something. We want to get paid for everything, but we don't want to pay for nothing. But we're not considering how somebody laid down their whole life and paid the ultimate price for us. And like, Anyway, that's we're gonna get You don't that. want to glorify him and everything that you're doing and, <laughs> and every and all that. So, it, but I also think that I also I believe that God checks the mess out of people. Yeah, he does. Like he does. No, I just be like, I be trying my best in my in my and I try to. You have people have to check their motives because people will move and bust moves and don't. And some people don't realize that they're moving without him sometimes like they you know have this this thought like they're like um well you know i talked to god about it but did you wait for an answer i i can say that i've been guilty 
of that. Same. And like I've had to pull back and push pause on because I will I have no I'm cutting I have no problem shutting everything down. Yeah. I will shut this down. Yeah. <laughs> this is what I need to do. Because <laughs> clearly I was moving too fast. Yeah. Yeah. Um but that that goes into so have you found like in your in your faith journey like have you found that you have like your old friendships have kind of like dissipated and you just like people have been placed in your life or you've been placed in people's lives that you can grow with spiritually because like the time is now and I ask that because that's how I've been feeling at least since I moved to Georgia that a lot of my old friendships have dissipated. Like, it, not because it's any beef of anything or anything, but just because we've grown apart. There's no issue. There's no malice or anything. We've just grown apart. We've gone our separate ways. But, like, in this journey, especially me becoming, trying to become somebody's doctor and, you know, being a doula and running a nonprofit and trying to do all types of things, people have been placed in my life. It almost and I can't even say almost I would say actually strategically to Mm -hmm. help me grow and move forward in this faith journey and I think that's something that we struggle with as millennials because we we preach loyalty you know that's our claim to fame that's our badge of honor we loyal we loyal we loyal but what happens when you have to break that loyalty not because it's any issue not because it's any malice, not because you beefing with them, not because she slept with your boyfriend or something, but just because it's time to separate because you got something else you're supposed to be doing. How how would you suggest that millennials navigate that? Have you navigated that? Have you experienced that? Like, let's let's get into it. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, I I first experienced that when I left for college. Mm-hmm. Um, because the only person I had to dig into the word with was my best friend. She went off to school in another state. I was in Georgia. Mm-hmm. And I also was delayed from everybody else. Everybody went to school six months before me. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so I didn't feel, I didn't feel it until after maybe the first year or two. And, um, I didn't really have, I think the great friend in college, I didn't really have anyone spiritually at all. Mm-hmm. And so the first couple of years I was just out there winging it. It's just a lot of praying, but I wasn't in the word like that. Mm-hmm. And then um, I think over the summer break, like I, yeah, over that summer break, um, I think I was trying to get a car. And um, and um, I remember I think one of my biggest goals was like, I just really want to understand the Bible because a lot of things why I, I wasn't reading it because I didn't understand the word. And so I was like, I just want to understand the Bible. So she was the one, even though she was in another state, we would call each other. And she was like, start with this book. This is the shortest book. This is the easy book, easiest book. So that was my only, like, I guess you could say God counsel or a partner in that. Not Nobody at school was really into that. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until, like, I want to say after undergrad, um, I, I was doing a lot of researching on... Christian, um, like, I guess you could say groups or circles in the Atlanta area, because that's mm-hmm. where I was at. Because um, I started school, like, my undergrad was in Barnesville, and ain't nothing down there. So, when I transferred to, like, uh, Marietta, um, I started looking for places to, like, hang out at that wasn't always, 
I'll say secular, but I'm not a club person. I've never been a club type of chick. That is mm-hmm. not, I hated it. <laughs> in high school, Every all the girls, like, what was that? Like, it was a club onyx or something? I don't remember. Everybody knew about it. Everybody was going, and I was the one that was not going. I was not paying money to get in nowhere. I just didn't do clubs. Yeah. But um, there was this guy, I don't know if people are familiar, but I, used to, I follow this guy named Cyrus Speaks. I think his his name is different on Instagram now, but Cyrus is his name, and it was him and this other guy named Eric. It was like him and a, and a few of his friends, and they put together this thing called the Renaissance Experience, mm-hmm. and it was like they are all like Christian based Christian males, hardcore Christians, hardcore in the word. I can't remember, but I know it's based. But it was them three, and they were they they. It was called the Renaissance Experience, and they mm-hmm. had like this building where people would come, get dressed up, look like something. Like the guy would have on suits, the girls would get dressed. They, it was just amazing. We would go play games. It was like good, clean fun. They had like skits, like Bible skits, um, that they would play out, which was great they'd have like open um open mic like people doing poetry mm-hmm. um and like just conversations and like christian artists performing and it wasn't like no whack music like it was just really live and it wasn't like no regular regular like i'm going to church kind of thing mm-hmm. but it was like in that realm that's, that's the first time i've ever seen that many people that were you know i guess you say christian and it and it not be like you know, crazy. So that was the place that I tried to meet people at. And I also remember very heavily praying to God to place people in my life mm-hmm. that were like Christians and that could help me maintain and stay on track and not get off track. I didn't really meet that many people. But <laughs> <laughs> you don't need a lot of people good. though. You need a lot of people. Being, no, I don't need a lot. It was good being in a number. It was good being surrounded by people that I didn't. That you know, it didn't feel like. Um, you know, it didn't feel like it was a show. It mm-hmm. didn't feel like you had to dress up and look like one of the girls out of the video to be received or whatever. Mm-hmm. So um, that's where it started. That's where it started for me, and then. Um, it was just me and my Bible at that point. There were a couple of people, but I don't remember any distinct people that I went to church with. I went to a church by myself. <laughs> <laughs> so, because nobody, nobody that I knew really was into going to church like that. Yeah. Not that many people. I feel I'm that. normally the one trying to drag folks. Yeah, church. I feel that. That's, that's something that I struggle with too. Like, I'd be... I, I'm always torn between wanting to go to church with somebody because I be wanting to turn to my neighbor and I don't have no neighbor to turn to because the, the 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 people I'm sitting in between don't know me. And that, it don't even matter. <laughs> I, I turn to them like I know them. Look, uh, uh, but they be, they be they be turn they be turn to the people that they already know. So oh, I, I'm just I'm just looking, you know, straight ahead. Like it's me and you, Bishop. What's up? <laughs> You're not talking this time. But then I'm I'm always torn between like you know inviting somebody to church with me and then like okay you know what this is my time with me and God. So let me just do this by myself and then I always regret it. So I don't know. I guess I gotta get better about that. Um I have. 
I've invited people to church before, and most people, I've had one person agree, and then she was like, I don't have anything to wear, and it pissed me off so bad. So I was like, girl, nobody asked you all that. <laughs> I said, you don't go. Nobody said you gotta get dressed up to go to church. Just come. I don't, that don't bother me. I think that, but I think that's kind of like we're moving away from the traditional church, where people don't wear their Sunday best no more. They come, they literally come no. as they are. And and I think and I think that's a misconception too. People are like, well, the, the the Bible says come as you are, and I'm like, ah, yeah, it, it does. But I think I don't think they really meant like your clothes. They just meant like, come if you a hoe, come. You on right? the crack pipe, come. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like I think they kind of, but you know that's just that's just us now. We just follow the parts of the Bible that's convenient to our argument. So. It's it, yeah. I think that there's that, but yeah, that, that that that's what that means. Come as you are. If that means you just came off the pole, then baby, come on. If you still got glitter, <laughs> just let the deaconess know that we gonna have to clean this up when you get up, cause we can't have glitter on the pews. We got people coming. We got guests coming. We want the pews to be clean. But you know, um, it's it's. It's interesting. I'm in I'm in that place now where I'm I'm I won't say losing friends, but they're fading away. And I found myself in this battle where I was like, No, that's my friend. Like we've been friends for fifteen years and like I'm I'm loyal. I'm you know, that's my homie and it's like, Yeah, but y'all are in two totally different sections right now. Like y'all are truly veering apart. Like it's the the there's literally a fork in the road, and which and I had I heard this really clearly one day. Like, are you gonna stay loyal, or are you gonna switch your loyalty over here? Like, are you you gonna you gonna stay committed over here, or are you gonna commit to what I what I'm I'm moving you towards because. If that's how you want to stay, let me go and drop these speed bumps. Let me go and drop these obstacles. Let me go and drop all this in here. But sometimes you just got to let folks go. And, yeah. I, was, and I was like, let me let me at least say something. And, and there was just, I every time I would like fall asleep, like my mama would call or I would f- remember something that I needed to do and then I just stopped fighting it and I was like, okay, I don't need to say nothing. I just need to let this die. And that's honestly like effectively what's happening. We speak far less. It's not a matter of like when they call, I don't answer or when they text, I don't respond because I do, but the conversation is different. The exchange is far different. And so I feel me pulling away and then I feel them pulling away. And I don't think that they recognize the pull away. Like I recognize the pull away, <laughs> but you know, I, I, I feel it, you know, and it's, it's been a tough thing to navigate. It's been something to, it, it hurt. <laughs> it hurt. Like, like really Lord this is what it is and he's like look where I'm about to send you everybody can't go and I was like but okay all right this is true I but I think for me it wasn't a like I became distant with friends Mm -hmm. um but it was more so a time by myself it was really just like me and God at that point 
but what I notice is that, um, like, even though I didn't really have anybody to go to church with me or anything at, or anything like that, I was doing a lot of self-work. And then now, the fr- those friends or my friends, a lot of people have, like, looked to me or confided in me on how to get closer to God because I've talked about what all the things that I've done to do to, to, to build my relationship. Mm-hmm. And I could not have done that if I had a whole bunch of people around me. Yeah. So I prayed for all these friends that I wasn't getting any, but it, it, like you said, it was strategic. I was, he was strategically making sure I was by myself so I could focus, so I could make sure I was receiving what it is that he wanted me to receive during that time. And we were building our relationship, and I was strengthening my faith and all of the above. And I was really, really like, in it at, at that time, not as much as I am, not as much as I, uh, I'm not as, not as much now as I was then, but like people have come to me like, you know, what are you like? I'm, I'm struggling. I was literally like a darn near a counselor for some people who was looking for someone that was in the word. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I can't, I can't talk to this, I'm my home girl because she's not, she don't she don't see it from a spiritual standpoint like you kind of yeah. thing. So people were texting me and calling me like, you know, I just need your your you just I just want to hear what your feedback is on this or just talk me through this. I've had a girl that I've had a girl, I think she was dealing with depression at one point and I checked on her because people I you know, I don't people will post stuff on Facebook on Facebook and I, I feel like people subconsciously do that not realizing I feel like you're letting people into your head mm-hmm. and you say I post whatever I want to but the 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 um I got a associate's degree in psychology and I think a lot of that stuff be subconscious and you're letting people into how you how you really are what you like your feelings are showing honey whether you're angry or you're hurt like you mm-hmm. can read through what your posts say mm-hmm. and I checked on her. Well, I don't like people when people put comment like in the comments. I'm praying for you. You could call me if you need me. Like if you have that girl's phone number, call her girl. If you know where she live at, pull up on her. Right. Stop, like get out the get out the freaking comments. Okay. So I text her because I don't believe in that, and I'm like, what's going on? Yeah. Like what you got going on? And you she's tell like, me like that. <laughs> I've been, yeah, I don't, I don't believe, I just think it's stupid. Like, you have my number. Yeah, yeah. Like, okay, I'll come in, or I might like it or something, but now I'm about to take your phone. Right, yeah. Now I gotta take your phone. So, she's like, you know, I've just been in a depressive state, and I just don't, I was like, well, you just really, I can't really tell you much, because everybody's depression is different. I can only suggest to you what, what's worked for me. And... You know, I'm like, you know, you need to pray as far as these and the touch I just don't know how to do that. I don't know what to do. I was like, do you want me to do it with you? Mm-hmm. Do you do you want me to go through uh, uh like we can if you want me to get up every day with you to do some do a do a devotional with you, to stay on track, to 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 get down in that word again, so so maybe it'll pull you out of this and maybe give you some type of some type of stability to bring you out of that darkness, I will do that with you. Yeah. My mm-hmm. friend asked me once before, she's like, I don't know how to pray. I was like, this, I had to explain her, this is how I learned how to pray. This is how it was explained to me. Um, like, a lot of people have come to me in that realm, and I feel like I've helped a few people, you know, like, and millennials specifically, mm-hmm. like this, you know, maybe start a relationship, build a relationship, get out of a, a, a mental situation, maybe. I don't know, but it seems like 
I would have never been able to speak from that place if I wasn't ever in that place by myself. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So. Because you reach people through your authenticity. And, you know, I think that's kind of what, ooh, that's kind of what's lacking in the in the church or in the Christian community now is that yeah. there's no authenticity. There's nothing that says that I'm here for you, that it, it's kind of like everybody come, comes together. Everybody presents, presents this perfect Christian, this put together Christian, but nobody uh-huh. ever wants to reveal the 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 stress the strain the depression the the suicidal mm-hmm. thoughts the passive suicide active suicide the the everything that got me to here to where my faith is now mm-hmm. and it's like how mm, that was conviction right there that um how can you tell somebody or show somebody that God is good when you're not being forthcoming and transparent about just how good he's been to you for you in your life. And I think that's what's missing in church these days is everybody's presenting this. My life is together. God is good, but I ain't going to show you what he brought me out of. Right. You know, right. And <laughs> that's so funny. I'm trying to laugh at this. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's it's missing. And so I think I think if we get back to nah, I can't even say get back because I can't really say that it was ever there because everybody had yeah, that you know, this appearance that we gotta have it all together. We gotta have, you know, this mask on. So it's like I think if we can get to to the the authenticity, if we can get hot, if we can get humble, open and transparent. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> And you know, and and just present to people the ugly, then maybe they'll uh-huh. begin to see the beautiful. You know. Mhm. And I think that's why people uh, come to me like they do because I I ain't no saint now, and I tell people this all the time. I have I, my one of my mini demons is my mouth. I curse like a sailor. Child, but I will read that word this. and I will pull out a scripture on you quick. <laughs> Do not play with me. I will. I, I don't know them off the top of my head, but I will. Find, I know it's in, it's in me because right. I've read it. Mm-hmm. So I may not know the exact exactly where to find it in the book, but I bet y'all can find it some type of way. I'll search it somewhere. Right. I know. I know which one I done read. That that correlates with what you're talking about. Like I am not a thing, but I think that's why people mess with me in that room because they feel comfortable coming to me because I've had conversations with them about other things outside of church and not just them yeah. because I was them yeah. kind of thing um, so and <laughs> I, yeah I, I guess we can leave it at that like that's what it's been like I, I probably done cuss them out like you know this ain't what you need to be doing blah blah blah, blah. like I, people I have this I have this girl that calls me Mama Kai she was just she, know her. <laughs> she calls me Mama Ty, and everybody calls me that because that has just been a, a natural persona for me uh-huh. to, like, I'm not going to judge you. You can come to me, and I'm going to tell you what's real. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you in it with no filter. Yeah. But I, have, and I, but I also back that thing up with a word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Ciao. <laughs> oh. uh, yeah, I 
authenticity authenticity is, is definitely missing in most churches. Yeah. Uh, and I think people need that to be able to connect. And if they, if they can't connect, then you already lost them. This is going to be a bomb episode. I'm going to go ahead and put this in right here because we're going to talk all day. But I know for sure that it it was not coincident that we met and talked. And <laughs> Oh, man. The fact that the way we met was hilarious because I think right around that time, I was specifically, because I probably had been praying at the time, and specifically working on uh, meeting people. Yeah. And, and uh, initiating conversation is yeah. what it was. And that you did. You did. <laughs> so, y'all, we met. And she was like, so how long have you been here? And I was like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> that daggum job, that raggedy job. I'm trying not to curse because we're talking about God, but, man, that raggedy job. <laughs> I remember that day because I think we both had on hats or something. We did. We both had on hats. And y'all, it was like the conversation just flowed. And then I I knew it was, I knew it wasn't coincidence that she was placed in my space because like we immediately started like talking about some of the similarities that we had. Like we had a whole lot in common. We started talking about like rebuilding credit and restoring credit and then somehow that transferred over into like talking about John Gray's book and then God and like y'all it just it just flow and it's just been flowing ever since. So I know that you're one of those people who has been placed in my past, especially since I've been here, um, to replace the friendships that I've I won't say lost, but I just grew apart from. And I'm appreciative. Even when when you do be like, so what's up? You good? You all right over there? I appreciate that far more than you know. And like, yeah, we're going to talk a whole lot more after this because that's just what we do. But tell the people where they can find you on social media. <laughs> um, My social media is at, well, under, at underscore Taisha D. T-Y-E-I-S-H-A-D. I was about to do that phonetically because of my cough in the background. I said D as in David. I was so ready to be like, T is in Tango. So there you can find uh, my page for the Sister Spot, which is my uh, organization for adult women. Mm-hmm. I have um, a page called God Glow, which is kind of like my personal quote-unquote curriculum on how to build a relationship with God, but also how to create a vision board that is uh, God-centered, because we create visions without God and then end up in a hole somewhere. And um, Taisha D. Photography, I like to take pictures. I don't, I'm still, you know, coming up, but my pictures come out pretty dope, so check them out. (laughs) And let me know what you think. Book me, inbox me, whatever you feel. But yeah, all of those, the links to all those pages are on the underscore Taishi D page. Yes. Well, y'all, this has been part two of Young and Churchy. We're talking about millennials navigating faith and religion. And I will be back with y'all with part three because I feel like this is going to get gooder and gooder. Not better and better, but gooder and gooder (laughs) (laughs) with each segment. 
but I'll have back at y'all. Y'all play nice here. This episode of Brown Sugar Diaries is sponsored by T3 Helps Inc., an Atlanta nonprofit organization that provides scholarships for birth, postpartum, sex, end of life, and bereavement doula training, and also provides help for single mothers and fathers. To learn more about this organization or make a donation, visit www.t3helps.org. Again, that's www.t3helps.org.